On a cold, clear weekday morning in January of this year, my quest to figure out whether I had COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic took me to my back porch where I'd scheduled a mobile blood draw. You ready? Yep. It had been 10 months since I was sick, and as regular listeners know, I had already gotten a negative result on a standard antibody test. You can hear all about that in our season five premiere a few episodes back. And I've never been more disappointed to be told that I was not sick. <laughs> You're tested negative? Yes. Ah, oh, so yeah. frustrating. But given the possibility of a false negative in the antibody test, I was not giving up that easily. And this test was different. This was a first-of-its-kind diagnostic test from Seattle-based Adaptive Biotechnologies, a company that develops technology to sequence the human immune system to diagnose and treat disease. We spoke about plans for this test when it was still in development last season with Adaptive Biotech's CEO, Chad Robbins. Overall, what we're hoping to do is characterize the immune response to COVID-19 by specifically looking at a certain type of cell, the T-cell response. Adaptive says telltale signs of T-cell responses to specific diseases can be detected earlier and longer than antibody responses and with a higher degree of accuracy. On this episode of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast, we will learn exactly how this works and what it could mean for diagnosing and treating a wide range of diseases in the future. And yes, I'll finally learn, almost definitively, whether I had COVID-19 or not. There go my T-cells. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is sponsored by Primera Blue Cross, providing comprehensive health benefits and tailored services to approximately 2 million people from individuals to Fortune 100 companies. Learn more about how Primera is innovating in healthcare at primera.com slash innovation. Adaptive Biotechnology's new test called T-Detect COVID was developed in partnership with Microsoft. It officially launched this week under what's called CLIA approval which stands for Clinical Laboratory Improvement Amendments. That's under federal regulations. The Food and Drug Administration is also reviewing the T-Detect COVID test for emergency use authorization. To learn more, I spoke with Adaptive Biotechnologies Chief Medical Officer, Lance Baldo. What is Adaptive? Adaptive is a company spun out of the Fred Hutch in Seattle, Washington, that figured out a way to read the genetics of the immune system and then use that information in partnership with Microsoft, both cloud computing as well as machine learning, to create better diagnostics and better therapies as well. So, Lance, I have been on a quest to figure out whether I had COVID-19 I don't want to make this all about myself, but let, let's start there. Let's start there because I did a podcast episode about the whole process of getting tested for antibodies. Adaptive focuses on a different type of test as part of your focus on T cells that can tell within a reasonable amount of certainty whether or not somebody had COVID-19. Let's start with the basics, if we could. What is a T-cell? Sure. Incredibly important to understand the basics of the immune system before we can talk about what a test like T-Detect can do and what it can tell you. 
the immune system has two basic parts. There's the innate immune system, and it's really what's called nonspecific. So your skin is probably the most obvious part of your innate immune system. It protects you from a lot of things, but it doesn't know necessarily that it's protecting you. And once your innate immune system gets kind of overwhelmed by a pathogen like COVID, then your adaptive immune system kicks in. And there's two key parts to your adaptive immune system. B cells, and B cells primarily produce antibodies, and then T cells. And T cells have three really important functions. One is they actually talk to B cells and they give them little cues to go ahead and produce more antibodies. The second thing they do is that if one of your cells gets infected with coronavirus, they kind of hold up their hand and then the T cell says, yep, that cell's been infected and they help to basically eradicate that cell. And the third thing that they do, and this is really important for the T detect test, is they stick around for some period of time, the so-called memory T cells. And those T cells are there to kind of jump into action should you ever encounter that pathogen again. So innate immune system, adaptive immune system, T cells and B cells, those are the major components of your immune system. And how do those components relate to antibodies? That's great. So I like to think of the immune system as a symphony or like an orchestra. And most of the time, that symphony, that orchestra is incredibly effective at allowing us to clear any kind of threat that we face. So many of us live well into our 60s, 70s, 80s with tons of threats that we face every day. And the way that we do that is with the B cells that I mentioned that produce antibodies. And those antibodies could essentially attach to a virus and either not allow the virus to enter cells or when they attach to that virus, they basically, again, hold up their hand and say, hey, this is a bad thing. This is a virus. And they tell other cells to come in and eliminate that virus. And the other part of that, of course, is the T cells, as I mentioned. And they have those three key functions that I mentioned earlier. So they have helper T cells that, that talk to the B cells and say, hey, B cell, produce antibodies. There's a threat here that I want your help with. And then, of course, they also do natural killing. And those are called the killer T cells. And then the third type are those memory T cells. I love all the metaphors you're using because at this point now we have a killer orchestra. (laughs) 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 Obviously we're talking about COVID, but adaptives focus on the adaptive immune system has broad applicability. Can you give us a sense for the scope of what adaptive does in this area? This is where it gets really exciting. So this T-detect assay that we brought forward now in about nine months from the start of the pandemic. That's really, if you think about it, been in development for the last nine or 10 years, like building off all the work that we've done internally. As I mentioned, figuring out a way to be able to read the genetics of both B cells, by the way, as well as T cells. And your body, um, maybe to use another metaphor, your body is is the world's most finely tuned diagnostic because most of the time it kind of knows what you're facing and helps you to actually clear that threat. And so what we're doing is reading the body's natural diagnostic, reading the body's immune system to let the immune system tell us what you're facing or what you're encountering. And so whereas the first test for T-detect is T-detect COVID for recent or prior um, infection with novel coronavirus, you can imagine eventually we can build out dozens and eventually hundreds of tests using the same platform to let the T-cells tell us what they're facing or what they've faced in the past. And what are the practical implications of that? Is it mostly 
diagnostic or is this something that you can use as therapeutics? What does this do for you, uh, the human race in, in the long term? <laughs> We're getting really lofty in our ambitions, Todd. I like it. <laughs> well, a couple of things. Um, I'm going to try to separate out what we do as a company at Adaptive, but then talk a little bit about the T2Tech platform. The T2Tech platform can inform both diagnostics, as we're talking about, and we'll spend more time talking about today, to be able to tell someone, did I or did I not have COVID in the past? But we also use that same platform to map those T cells to different parts of the virus. And that gives really important information to researchers and vaccine manufacturers to be able to say, hey, these are important parts of the virus that elicit this immune response, these T-cell responses, and make sure that as we move to next generation of COVID vaccines, they're thinking about all the important effects that we hope to see out of these future vaccines. So that's kind of the T-detect platform and being able to not only detect disease, but in the case of COVID, map those T-cells to the actual parts of the virus that seem to be important. But then adaptive, if I take a step back, our platform has huge implications to be able to both diagnose and treat disease. And so we have a cell therapy collaboration with Genentech. We have a translational partnership, which we just announced with AstraZeneca in the oncology space to be able to, again, identify important T-cells against cancer. And we also announced as well that we discovered really potent what are called neutralizing antibodies for COVID. So these are antibodies that when given to a person can either prophylax, so prevent them from getting coronavirus, or once you have coronavirus, to help you to primarily eliminate that virus from your body. And so our platform really spans both diagnostics as well as treatments as well. Okay, so did I have COVID-19 last year or not? That's coming up next. This season of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast is presented by Primera Blue Cross. At Primera, we talk about what we do all day. We offer access to healthcare. The card in the pocket allows people to go get access to healthcare. Dr. John Espinola is Executive Vice President of Healthcare Services for Primera Blue Cross. The challenge we have is that we know that the healthcare that they get access to doesn't work as well as it could. So we have a duty at Primera to make healthcare work better. That's our job. We give people access to healthcare, yet we give them access to something that's subpar. We have a moral and fiduciary obligation to do better. We're going to do it in partnership with those who may touch the moment of care, providers, innovators, entrepreneurs, all of these are going to help us move in the direction we need to to make healthcare work better. We're bold enough to take the risk to try to do something that'll make a difference and learn from it and be better along the way. To find out more, visit Primera.com slash innovation. Okay, so T-Detect for COVID-19, a mobile phlebotomist came to my house. I went out on my back porch it took her a while. It must have been cold or something, but it took her a while to find the vein a little bit, but she, she found it, drew my blood, put it in a vial and took it away. So what process was that kicking off? Yeah, and it's interesting. So I'm, I'm going to take a step back for a second and talk through what we call the workflow that you experienced. And so basically everything to get the T-Detect test can be done online. And that was probably your experience, except for one thing is that we need a sample of your blood. And so a person or patient can go to t-detect.com. You enter some basic information. Um, and then um, now, actually, we, we are going to have a virtual physician telemedicine behind the scenes to be able to 
approve or authorize your order. And then once that's done, it kicks off um, the, the order to either go to a blood draw center if you want to, or like you did, Todd, you can have a blood draw person or a mobile phlebotomist come to your house to be able to draw your blood. And then that blood gets sent to our main lab in Seattle, Washington, where we then look at the genetics of the T cells in that sample and then essentially make a call. Based on the T cells in that sample, did you or did you not have COVID-19? And we do that with a really high degree of specificity. So our specificity is about 99.8%. So that means we have very, very, very few false positives. And we also have a very high sensitivity. In fact, in the, in the hundreds of patients that we studied that are in support of our FDA emergency use authorization, we picked up disease when it was expected to be present 95% of the time. That compares to antibodies where in the studies that we've seen, including our primary study, antibodies were only picking up past disease anywhere from about 75 to 90% of the time. Wow. And so I assume that you're using as your basis for comparison there, the fact that someone tested positive on a diagnostic test for COVID in the past. That's right. That's something called ground truth. Every time you develop something, you have to have something as base truth or ground truth. And so what we're using in this case for the development program was PCR confirmed. And by the way, EUA authorized, so FDA authorized PCR test. And we're using that as a gold truth. You have to pick something as the gold truth. And that's what we're going ahead and, and doing in this case. And even further than that, Todd, as well, we're not just looking at those T cells kind of um, in the raw, we're also taking that information and that's going into into the cloud and then also being put through an algorithm. That algorithm has been developed in partnership with Microsoft to be able to look through those T cells. I mean, this is a web scale problem on, at, on a population level, but yet we're able to do this on an individual level relatively quickly such that you get your results in about seven to 10 days after your blood gets drawn, Todd. And I hope you had that experience, but of course we didn't chat ahead of time. <laughs> it was, it was toward the end of that 10 days, but it, it was, it was Great. right, right in that time frame. Good. So, but explain to me, why is this a machine learning web scale problem? Why is that? So you have um, within your body hundreds of billions of T cells at a population level. When you look at everyone across the world, there's literally trillions of different T cells. And we have to be able at an, first of all, population level when we're trying to develop these diagnostics, but then at an individual level, essentially comb through all of that genetic information to find these signals, to find those T cells that are specific for a particular disease. And in this case, it's coronavirus. In fact, five years ago, and especially 10 years ago, none of this would have been possible. We mm -hmm. just simply didn't have the computing power. We didn't have enough savviness with machine learning. We weren't able to do genetic sequencing fast enough, deep enough, or cheaply enough. So really, it's the confluence of all these technologies at that time. And I, I liken this a little bit, Todd, and I'm so thankful to the vaccine manufacturers, and especially those of the front runners, to a little bit of the mRNA vaccines. Like People like to mention that these mRNA vaccines were developed in a relatively short period of time. But the truth is that these were really developed over five, six, seven, eight years. And luckily, we were able to move quickly in the setting of COVID-19 to kind of make it that last step or make it that last mile. And that is the same thing with the work we're doing at Adaptive, that we've been developing this platform in partnership with Microsoft over many, many years. And then we're able to jump into action when the pandemic hit to see how we couldn't help to contain and control coronavirus. So my blood sample went in. Let me make sure I understand. It was tested for 
the types of T cells that would indicate whether I had COVID or something inside each of my T cells that would indicate whether I had COVID. I like it, Todd. You're going deep. This definitely is geek wire. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I geek out on this quite a bit. So I love the immune system. I think it's one of the most amazing systems. Well, you better. (laughs) In the the human body. but And it's developed over literally hundreds of millions of years to have the ability to recognize any threat that we might face without actually knowing what it was going to be. I mean, think about coronavirus. In general, most people are able to kind of neutralize that threat. They're able to get better, but yet the world and and our human race has never seen coronavirus before. And that's what's so amazing about the adaptive immune system. And it does this with these specialized cells. And each one of those cells has a receptor on its surface. And we call these the T-cell receptors, not surprisingly. And each of those T-cell receptors is specific for for one and usually only one part of that virus. Mm. And so that's actually what we're looking at. We're looking at the genetics that codes for that T-cell receptor. And as I mentioned, on an individual level, there's literally hundreds of millions. And on a population level, we're talking about trillions of T-cell receptors. And that's the web scale problem that I referred to earlier. Okay. All right. Well, I have, Lance, here in front of me, the results. This is the the conclusion, I think, yes, drum roll. You're doing the drum roll side. We'll, we'll have to add some sound effects later. All right. So it says uh, COVID report has my name and date of birth, T detect, the name of the physician, the collection date, the sample ID, the institution, and it says result. And I got to tell you, Lance, in big black letters right in front of me, it says negative. It says negative. I, I clearly, so I, between the antibody test and this, I obviously didn't have COVID, right? Uh, well, let me speak to two things. One is going to be a little tongue-in-cheek comment. Um, Todd, believe it or not, you're not the only person who's Seattle-based who was sick in February, March, who thought they had COVID. <laughs> and the good news is that the reality is most people probably didn't. Some did. Clearly, some did, but most people didn't. Um, but I will say two things, and I, I don't want to I don't want to keep your hopes up unnecessarily, but <laughs> the, Todd, the absence of proof does not equal the proof of absence. And what I mean by that is that had we seen COVID-19, because of that 99.8% specificity, I could tell you hand on heart, you had COVID-19. But if I don't see COVID-19, the opposite is not true. Because it's possible that just biologically, you know, your T cells have dropped off to a level that we no longer pick up based on the algorithm, you know, based on the classifier that we developed. So <laughs> if you really want to have had COVID in the past, Todd, there's still a chance. <laughs> but, but I do want to repeat that, Todd. It's super important. So, you know, pause positive test is, you know, incredibly, incredibly powerful in terms of telling you you had it. But again, the absence of proof is not the proof of absence. And so, you know, it's still possible, although in your case, you know, not having a a PCR test, not having antibodies, and now not having T cells, um, the likelihood is that you probably did not have coronavirus. And you probably had some other virus. There's many viruses that cause similar, if not the same symptoms. I'm pretty sure because, you know, I have no medical degree whatsoever, but I talk to a lot of people <laughs> as, as a journal. I'm pretty sure I had RSV 
respiratory syncytial virus. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's um, one of the more common causes of, of you know, of a, what's called a common cold, but it tends to be a little more on the severe side as, as opposed to like, for instance, some of the other beta coronaviruses. So if you were pretty sick, there is a good chance it could have been um, RSV. The weird thing is that I lost the taste for my favorite Indian food at the time. <laughs> because this is scientific evidence right here, I know. I mean, yeah, okay, I mean, listen, right, I think right. uh, that's called a negative curry sign. If you had a negative <laughs> curry sign. <laughs> my, clearly, my curry receptors are need to be tested. All right. So I was looking on the T-Detect site. I understand there's a difference in the duration of T-cell sensitivity in these tests versus antibodies. Can you explain how that works? Like post, post disease. Sure. Uh, once again, I want to go back and ground us on the biology here because it's really important. Um, and I'll use another metaphor. Um, T cells are very often, if not always, kind of the first responders when you get infected. And so generally within a couple of days, 60, 70% of people will have an appreciable or a measurable T cell response. And so put in simple terms, T cells come up early. They peak somewhere around day 10 to day 15, you kind of get that peak signal from T cells. And the reason for that is they're trying to actively help you clear that infection. And then there's something we'd like to call like a long tail. And so those T cells can kind of stick around for a while. And the good news is that some of them will stick around for a very long time in the so-called memory state to be able to jump into action if you ever need them again. And it's those properties of T cells that make them a good and at, at times better measure of past infection because antibodies take a little bit longer to, to come into action. As you probably know, usually around day seven to day 10, we'll see antibodies start to rise and they tend to, they also tend to wane. And we've seen this in COVID, they tend to wane a little bit sooner. They go away a little bit sooner. And so it's those properties of T cells. Now, they don't stick around at a measurable level indefinitely. And so we have really strong data out to about six months that show that we pick up T cells in people with PCR confirmed COVID about 95% of the time. So it means, you know, put the other way, we're only missing about 5% of infection. And that's in pretty stark contrast to antibodies that by that time, as I mentioned, you know, they'll be missing somewhere between 20 and 30% of that past infection. But as your case would indicate, you know, they don't stay around necessarily at a measurable level forever. But I also don't want to scare you because it's possible, let's say you did have COVID and we just didn't pick it up on the T-Detect test. It's still possible that those T-cells, even though they're not measurable, could in fact jump into action to help you if you got exposed to the virus in the future. So all hope is not lost, Todd. <laughs> so could this be used as suggested by the timing you're talking about here, to indicate an active COVID case? In other words, a diagnostic. Could T-cells be used in that way? Two things I would say that. Number one is our intended use with the um, with the FDA. In other words, the way that the test is going to be described as being used will not be for that acute infection. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is that there's a gold standard right now, which is you know being able to pick up the virus that's being shed in your nose or in your mouth, the so-called antigen or PCR test. And the other is that, and we talked about this already, there's a certain turnaround time here. In other words, 
you have to have blood drawn, you have to send it to a lab, and then you get that result back. And these tests for getting that kind of acute result, we're trying to crunch that down to be hopefully, ideally, eventually on the order of minutes, but no more than, you know, within a day or so for a good PCR, good antigen test. So I don't see it replacing um, that those kind of acute tests, but potentially earlier, you know, at six, seven, eight days, we could potentially pick up COVID um, in someone who had it or has it. Did you say minutes though? Is that possible in the future? Oh, I think for antigen testing, it's uh, minutes meaning 15 to 30 minutes for a test. It's, it's, it's possible now. I mean, the performance of those assays isn't quite as good as the PCR tests that take 24 to 48 hours, but absolutely. And that's the direction that much of the innovation is going. I also sit on a group that's called the Diagnostics Evidence Accelerator. It's kind of part of the Reagan Udall Foundation, which is kind of a, a, a close to the FDA. And there's a number of companies that are working on a, the ability to get these tests done faster and, and more cheaply to help in the control of the pandemic. What about the new strains of COVID that we hear about? Do you have to tweak the test? Is it still applicable? How does that work in terms of T-cells? A couple of things. So um, the new strains are troubling. Um, so I think as a broader institution, the whole biotech and the pharma industry um, is really on call and on alert for this. Um, the good news is that the existing vaccines appear to be at least somewhat effective against even, for instance, the South African variant. On the diagnostic side, there's one really powerful thing about the way that we do our test. I mentioned to you that we look for the T cells that are in your blood that are specific for COVID. Those T cells don't just look at one specific part of the virus of SARS-CoV-2. It looks at multiple parts of the virus. And so there's something, we'll get a little technical again, that we call clonal breadth and depth. So we look at how many different T cells did you have for the coronavirus? And then of those different T cells, how many of them did you had? And it's that clonal breadth and that clonal depth that yields a COVID score. And then that score, whether it's above or below a certain cutoff, would tell you whether or not you had COVID. And so even in the case of variants, there's not enough changes we believe, to be able to change the result of the test. That being said, we're beginning to get samples in-house for those variants just to make sure that, in fact, the test has the performance that we hope and that we expect. I know that antibodies are literally the things that will attack the virus, if I understand correctly. So when you're testing for that, it's like you're testing to see whether the uh, army has enough guns uh, to throw yet another metaphor in there. The orchestra has enough horns. I don't know. <laughs> if I were to have been fortunate enough to have tested positive uh, for, for in my T-Detect test, in my quest to, to answer this question, would that have implied uh, immunity? Oh, so th so this is the this is kind of the million dollar question or the or the holy grail. Um, there's a number of things that protect us from future infection, and we've described a few of these. Um, memory B cells, just like memory T cells, can kick into action and then produce antibodies specific for coronavirus. You could still have antibodies that are floating around, you know, getting ready to neutralize the, the virus. We also talked about T cells, memory T cells, for instance, that can kind of hang around and jump into action. Um, and it's that <laughs> orchestra of all these different components of the immune system that are going to help you to be able to thwart future infection to be able to for you to overcome um, and there's likely no one of them that 
alone is going to be able to do that. But that combination, and we call that a correlative protection. So is there something that we can look at, you know, B cells, antibodies, T cells in terms of being a correlative protection? The, the short answer, Todd, is we don't yet know, but we're beginning to invest in the research right now to be able to look and see, do T cells help to serve at, as a correlative protection? And in fact, you probably had this experience and I'd love you to speak to it. You were probably asked whether or not you wanted to opt into research. And so we're getting really good receptivity, really good um, answers on that, where people ordering our test about 80 to 85% of the time are saying, yes, I'm willing to answer future questions because then we could link some of these tests to not just past experience, but also potentially future experience as well. And this is the concept of real-world data or real-world evidence. And it's something that as a, both a company as well as an industry, we're spending a lot of time to make sure that we generate. So I suspect you were asked that question around the time you ordered the test. Right. And I, mm -hmm. I believe I opted in. I, it's Good. always hard to remember which box you checked. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> so practically, I can imagine people might hear this and go, gosh, how do I do that? It, it costs some money, first of all. Um, and by the way, I did pay for my own. Uh, I didn't treat this like a product review. I made sure, <laughs> I figured it was my own body. I wanted to make sure that I, it, I couldn't exactly do a loaner device on this one. Anyway, it costs roughly how much, Lance? 150, but that does not include how you decide to have your blood drawn. Yep. And so do you have the capacity at this point for the crush of listeners who are going to be interested in this from the GeekWire Health Tech podcast? <laughs> well, a couple things. Um, first of all, it's great. And I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your experience, not just about the test, but just with this, you know, wanting to learn and know more about, about whether or not you had past COVID because you're not alone. I, I was only partially teasing earlier when I said you're not the only person in Seattle that had a similar, <laughs> a similar kind of wonder. Um, but we have a, a large, high-complexity lab in Seattle that's ready to be able to handle these tests that they as they come in-house. And the other thing that we're looking at is being able to be able to leverage other nationwide, again, high-complexity certified labs so that if, in fact, the volume gets incredibly high, we'd be able to use a partner to be able to do that as well. What does this mean for vaccines? In other words, is there some kind of way that you can use these T-cell tests to determine the efficacy of vaccines? Vaccines are developed in order to create the most robust immune response as they can safely. I mean, that, that's the whole point of a vaccine. And they do that by trying to elicit antibody response, as well as, by the way, T-cell responses. And so what this platform is able to do, and this is particularly important, as you alluded to in the setting of these variants, is see how particular vaccines will respond and create a T-cell response. And then we could map those T-cell responses to different parts of the virus. And we know whether or not those particular parts of the virus are the same between all the different variants out there, or are they different? And that's important to gauge the overall effectiveness, not just of the current vaccines, but also the vaccines and the boosters that are going to be developed in the future. So somebody could get a vaccine and then some months later, you could go in and do a test and say, based on those results, hey, it looks like you've got this level of immunity with some degree of scientific error. 
One of the things that we're looking at, and this is more of a research focused, is can we look at the response to vaccines and determine what a good or what a strong or what a protective response to a vaccine looks like? I want to be really clear. That's not the current T-Detect product, but that's what the adaptive biotechnologies platform can do. And that's the work that we're doing in partnership with numerous vaccine manufacturers. But you're spot on. That's where a lot of the power of this technology absolutely comes into play. Lance, if I could here as we wrap up, get you to go big picture. Uh, If you look at the long-term work on the adaptive immune system, the focus of adaptive biotechnologies, what has the rise of this pandemic and of SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, what has it meant for your field? Uh, It's been, despite the darkness and the disruption of this pandemic, the one bright spot, I think, as Malcolm Gladwell even pointed out recently, has been the effect on science and on innovation. We've been able to accelerate so much of our work on the T-Detect side, basically under the pressure that we knew we wanted and we needed to help the current pandemic. And so really all of our industry um, has accelerated immensely throughout this pandemic. And whereas we never expected the first T-Detect test to be for COVID, we're now building out that platform. We're building out that ordering experience. And by the way, hoping to just improve it over time. But as I think to the future, I'm excited for the launch of T-Detect. I'm excited for the help that it's going to provide for individuals and for society. But this is just one test into what ultimately is going to be a platform and a number of tests. I mean, if you close your eyes for a minute and you imagine you get your blood drawn and that single blood draw would be able to tell you whether you you had one, 10, 20, eventually maybe a hundred different diseases, just simply, and I guess it's not that simple, but just by looking at your T cells, by reading the genetics of your T cells. And, and, and this is where, to me, it gets really exciting. And this is not decades away. We're talking five to 10 years to be able to achieve this vision. And every journey starts with a step. And the first step here is T-Detect COVID. Lance, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you, Todd, for your time. Lance Baldo is Adaptive Biotechnology's Chief Medical Officer. You can find a link to more information about the company and the T-Detect COVID test in the show notes on this episode and in the related article at geekwire.com slash health tech. Thank you for listening to the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app or tell a friend or a colleague about the show. See more episodes at geekwire.com slash health tech and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our sponsor of Health Tech Season 5, Primera Blue Cross. You can find out more about their work at primera.com slash innovation. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com and sign up for our podcast newsletter to hear all of our shows. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast.